everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast, presented by Dream Cricket. I'm your host, Peter Dolapena, and on today's show, we have the biggest name in American cricket, Ali Khan, the superstar fast bowler on the T20 franchise circuit, is now back in USA Colors. He'll be competing for USA for the first time in just over two years when USA takes the field for the 2021 ICC America's Men's T20 World Cup Qualifier, starting in Antigua on November 7th. Huge boost for USA to have him back after the failed effort in 2019 in Bermuda, the first time USA had ever failed to advance in regional qualifying for the T20 World Cup. So USA is looking to right the wrongs of two years ago, and Ali Khan coming back to the squad is going to be a big part of making sure USA advances onto the global qualifier in 2022. So Ali Khan has generously taken the time to come on the show And we talk about some of the more recent events in his career beyond what was covered in the book, which featured Ali Khan titled Inside the Selection Room, A Quest for T20 Cricket Stardom, which is available on Amazon.com. The book charted the journey of Ali Khan from unknown at the 2015 ICC Americas Combine in Indianapolis to then become a breakout star on the T20 franchise circuit. We do discuss some of the things in that book, but a large portion of the discussion is focused on recent events since the book, including his call-up to the Kolkata Knight Riders squad in 2020. Life on the T20 franchise circuit, especially in the context of the pandemic where life has not been easy for a lot of people, but especially those without a stable central contract to depend on and the challenges he has had to endure during the pandemic. Before we get to that, I want to remind everybody to please subscribe to the show on Patreon starting with as little as $3 a month to help support the podcast and make sure episodes continue to get produced on a regular basis, featuring the likes of Ali Khan and many other people in the sphere of U.S. cricket. If you haven't already done so, go to Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. I also want to remind everybody that you can subscribe to get the latest episodes the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast on YouTube or on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, and many other outlets in audio form. Please subscribe, give us a like, give us a review. Every little bit helps. And finally, thanks to our sponsors, Dream Cricket and Moosa Cricket Stadium, the first and original turf wicket facility in the state of Texas. For more information, call 713-534-2195. That's Moosa Cricket Stadium in Pearland, Texas. Today's guest on the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket, we have the big kahuna of U.S. cricket, fast bowling, U.S. cricket in general, really, Ali Khan. Ali, welcome to the show. Hello, Peter. Uh, Big fan of your show. So finally, I got my opportunity. (laughs) So yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Finally, yes, we had a few attempts that failed to launch, but now we've, we've got it ready to to boost off just ahead of the tour to Antigua. You are presently in North Carolina with the rest of the USA team who's doing a, a short training camp ahead of the ICC America's Men's T20 World Cup Qualifier. This is a very exciting time because it's your first time back in a USA uniform since the same event two years ago, which you actually never got to take the field in because you got injured in one of the last practice sessions ahead of the first match and USA severely missed your presence in the lineup. No doubt about that because USA, unfortunately, everybody remembers failed to qualify. They lost twice to Canada, twice Bermuda. So there's some scores to settle this week coming up in Antigua. What are your thoughts 
being back around the US squad for the first time in two years. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's really good to be back. I've been really excited ever since I, uh, you know, got selected for the squad, and uh, I'm really happy to be back, and I'm really looking forward to this uh, tournament. We, yeah, we just got to North Carolina today here. Um, everyone is here, so our training camps uh, start from tomorrow. So really looking forward to the camp and uh, getting around the boys again after a long break, as you said. So yeah, it's been a while, and it's very unfortunate and very gutting for me that. You know, on the eve of the first game of last qualifiers, you know, I, I got hurt and ruled out of the tournament. That was really like heartbreaking. And and then the results that came after that, it was also very disappointing to see. And I wish that I could have helped my team if I was there, you know, and we would have been in a better situation. Maybe could have been playing this T20 World Cup as it's happening right now. But I mean, everything happens for a reason. I'm back fit and healthy and uh, ready to help my team again. And uh, uh, hopefully we'll uh, try to get those teams back when I wasn't there. So I'm really looking forward to that. In between, we're going to cover quite a few things in this episode, but again, first time back for USA in two years in the interim, you stayed busy on the T20 franchise circuit. And that's how you basically rose to prominence around the world with Trimbago Night Riders and then getting an opportunity in the PSL. You've been in the Bangladesh Premier League. You got a chance to go to the IPL with Kolkata Night Riders. You didn't get into the 11, but you were part of the squad a couple of years ago for that event, which was hugely significant for you personally and also for U.S. cricket. The first time anybody in the USA national team or USA national player has been a part of the IPL. So there's a lot to, to cover. But in general, what has it been like for you since that last time playing for USA, keeping yourself busy pre-pandemic and during the pandemic and all the challenges that that has involved over the course of, of your career personally? Yeah, you know, it's been it's been a, a really a long journey, like a really good long journey for me over the past couple of years, I would say, because a lot of things were shut down in terms of like international cricket. But I was still lucky enough, fortunate enough to, you know, get few gigs around the world and go in the leagues and play some cricket. So I think it has developed my skills and I think I have grown ever since I played for USA last time versus now. I think I have grown a lot as a player in terms of my skills, my mental, and my physical uh, as well. It all counts. I've learned a lot over the years, and I've worked with a lot of different coaches in these past couple of years. And, uh, yeah, it was a great experience as, at the IPL. Uh, it was like a dream come true. So I dreamt of that, and I, uh, I got a chance to, you know, I made it to the squad for the KKR, and I'm very thankful for them to, you know, give me an opportunity. So, yeah, it was a great learning experience over the years with all these different teams. I've learned a lot and I'm looking forward to share that knowledge and whatever I could do in my power, you know, to help my teammates, my team in order for us to, you know, get through this tournament and really looking forward to after this what comes next for us. And hopefully uh, we will make it to the next year World Cup. And just like you see how I'll give you an example of David Biza, he's back in the media team and he, you know, he's already helping his team to win a few games at the you know, biggest stage in the world. So I'm really looking forward to that role and hoping for us to go through this round and uh, make it to the second round of 2020 qualifiers and eventually go to the World Cup next year. You touched on it. Again, USA falling short of the qualifier. And now seeing the teams that USA has played against, albeit in different formats. So going back to World Cricket League Division 2, you had a very instrumental role in 2019 in that victory over Namibia, that five-wicket haul, including very dramatic three wickets in the 49th over to help USA win. And that was an instrumental victory in USA getting ODI status. So in recent times, just over two and a half years ago, USA has had a victory over Namibia. 
And then again in Florida, even though you weren't part of that squad, but again, Florida, the ODIs in 2019, USA beats Namibia there. They beat Papua New Guinea twice. Uh, the USA played Scotland in Dubai in, in December 2019. And you're familiar with some of the players that you would have been around them on the T20 circuit as well, whether it's at the Global T20 Canada. So USA is in that sphere to have had victories against those teams and then to see and to have to watch from afar as Namibia is playing in the next round while USA is sitting at home. What's that like going through your mind? You know, it's funny that when Namibia got their first victory in the World Cup, I got a call and text from a few people and they were telling me that's the same team you took five wickets against. And they are playing in the World Cup and you are not. So what's going on? So I'm like, yeah, you know, we are as good as, you know, any any of these teams that you have mentioned. And uh, yeah, we have played a lot of series against these teams and we had, you know, come victorious against them. And especially in, I remember even the 2016 against Oman, like in Division 4 it was, I believe, we beat them for the championship and we won that championship as well. So, and now our team is even stronger. And uh, yeah, it's just really a shame that we are not in that, you know, in that World Cup along those teams because we have beaten them on all occasions that we have seen. And uh, we have a very talented team. We have a very balanced squad and uh, our players have developed as well over the last few years. And uh, now the best part is that all these players that have been playing for US now, they have played for over a while now. So they know each other much better now versus when they were new on the circuit. But I mean, we had our opportunity for those T20 qualifiers last time, but I think we couldn't avail it. So... I think that's extra motivation for these guys this time around. And uh, by watching these teams playing in the World Cup right now, I think that is also, you know, uh, a motivation factor as well for them. So, yeah, guys are really pumped up, looking forward to that. And uh, I'm back as well. So I'm looking forward to help the team. Whether it was just watching from the sidelines and not being able to be on the field for those games and some of those losses or just the atmosphere of the squad in general, what was the number one thing you personally or the team you feel took away from that event that you feel is a lesson learned you want to make sure not to repeat in order to come out on top this time around and and ensure that 2019 doesn't happen again? I think it would be to just do our basics, right? Don't get ahead of ourselves because I think what we did back in that tour was sitting from outside and watching that. We took uh, those teams really lightly, especially Bermuda. You know, we thought, okay, it's just Canada that we have to, you know, go through and two teams that go through so it's definitely going to be used in Canada so I hope that we don't repeat that mistake again because we can't take any team light we got beaten by Bermuda twice so if a team beats you twice that means they played better cricket than you so I'm sure guys have learned from that mistake and uh, once we get on the park and uh, we will not repeat those mistakes and uh, try to get them back this time. One of the things that people have talked about since then again you were in the squad never took the field because you were injured but you haven't played for USA since Fairly or unfairly, some people have taken a negative view of your approach to cricket. And from having gone through the experience with you writing the book inside the selection room, I got a very in-depth appreciation for not just yourself, but for a lot of other players in terms of the personal struggles and the decisions that people have to make. Sometimes playing for your country, as great of an honor as it is, there are other things that have to be taken into consideration and it's not always so easy as oh well I can turn down a paycheck worth x because I'm playing for USA it's not a straightforward thing in the associate world in particular but people who may not understand that online you'll see things in comment sections or on social media about oh Ali Khan doesn't care about playing for USA or I can see you smiling right now already hearing this but I know from seeing you play for USA and just your backstory coming from Pakistan 
and becoming a citizen and how much being an American means to you, if that's not true. But how would you characterize for other people who don't understand what your situation is and what you've gone through, why you have taken the decisions you've made to prioritize T20 franchise cricket ahead of some of the other opportunities with the USA when the two have clashed? I don't really pay attention to these comments and people, what they try to say, but I do come across them and uh, I do see them, but I try not to reply or respond to them because they don't know the ground reality and they do not understand you know, the associate cricketer or associate cricketers because it's not easy being a cricketer. And on top of that, you know, being an associate cricketer is even tough. It's really hard because in these countries, you have to provide for your families when you have migrated from, you know, different countries coming here, working 11-hour shift and then started playing, you know, cricket on the side and then you made it to the national team. It means a lot to me, you know, it was a, it was a great honor to represent my team. And every time I took my, that field, I gave my 110% and my record shows that as well. So it really doesn't bother me what people say, but at, at the end of the day, I have to see how I have to survive also because I do this full time, you know, so I have to avail all the opportunities I could because if I don't, then I will go back to being a, you know, amateur cricketer where, or a weekend cricketer. Then I have to work five days or six days to make a living, pay my bills and then play cricket just two days a week. How am I going to improve? So what I think I have chosen these opportunities, which I have availed because I think it has helped me grow as a cricketer a lot. And secondly, also it has helped me financially to take care of my family, myself. I think any cricketer in my position or any from any other associate cricket, if they would get an opportunity like this, they wouldn't say no. But it doesn't mean that you don't want to play for US or people, you know, they don't know the reality what's what's going on in person's life. So it's easy to just talk from outside. But I mean, everyone is entitled to their own opinion. But every time I'm back in my uh, USA jersey, I give my 100% for the country, 110%. And uh, uh, looking forward to this tournament again and uh, hoping you know, to do well for my country again, just like I did last time I played for them. One of the things, again, that stands out for me is the, the journey and, and becoming a citizen, especially in particular, and how significant that was in your life and what the family ambition was coming from Pakistan when you were a teenager, becoming a citizen, when initially at one point you thought you were going to be left behind and you weren't going to be able to come with the rest of your family to America and the emotions that were going through your mind at that stage as a teenager to then fast forward, becoming a citizen, going on to actually represent USA on the field through that whole journey. What has it meant to you? If you can think back to your USA debut, what did it mean to make your USA debut for the first time? And what does it mean anytime you take the field you know, it's still a fresh, fresh memory from those uh, ICC combines, just like, you know, in your book, everything is there starting from those combines in 2015. I remember each and everything and it feels like yesterday. And I think I'm still like the same person and same, I have the same excitement as still day one from that first trial session. So it, it means a lot to me, you know, it, it's a great honor, you know, to represent this country. It's not easy. And uh, even through those combines, there was over 90 people in the first combines and I was a nobody. And getting through that that 90 people, I know how hard it was for a guy like me to get through and nobody knows about me, you know. And then going to the second round, if people have read your book, you know, everything is in there, but just to elaborate. Yeah, and then you're competing against all these professional cricketers and uh, then making the final 14, it was a, I think it still means a lot to me. If I, I am If I am here, it's all because of that first combine nobody would have knew me 
uh, if I haven't got through those combines. So, uh, and I have never forgotten that and I never will. Every time I, you know, take the field, uh, I still think of those days that don't forget how you got here. I try to give them 100% every time I take the field and uh, that's what I keep doing and uh, just try to improve, you know, day by day and every opportunity I get, you know, it's, it's, it's a new game for me and uh, just try to do my best and give my best every time I'm there. Okay, you brought up the book and you remember all those things that went through like it was yesterday, you said. We talked about the experience in the course of the book for the interviews I did with the players, including yourself. But being able to read the actual selection room dialogue that the coaches had in the moment during that week, I'm curious to get your your thoughts and your reactions. In particular, there's a sequence here with dialogue that involves Derek Pereira, who is a Canadian coach, ex-Canada national team player, along with Courtney Walsh and Mike Young. And I just want to get your reaction to this upon hearing this. And I'm, I'm guessing you may have read it, but I just want to go through it again for people who have not read the book. Again, it's called Inside the Selection Room, A Quest for T20 Cricket Stardom. The scene is during the second week of the combine. So now you've got the field narrowed down, like you said, from the initial around 90 plus cricketers down to a group of about a dozen players that was selected to advance. And you were one of those who was selected to advance to compete against essentially the current USA and Canadian national team players. At that point, you were an unknown. Here's this dialogue between these coaches it involves again Courtney Walsh former West Indies legend Derek Pereira Mike Young who is a three-time World Cup winning fielding coach for Australia leading into this says now Derek Pereira gives another thumbs up to a player who progressed from phase one despite having never played international cricket and the context of this was the attitudes of a lot of the players on this day was very poor and the whole atmosphere was not conducive to good cricket but there are a few players who were standing out for different reasons, not to do with how they perform statistically in these trial matches. So Pereira says, there were some good observations. Khan, talking about you. I loved his approach. He came and spoke to me after the game. He bowled hard. He said, I was trying, 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 and I only heard the keeper the whole time. So he was just bowling to the keeper. There was nothing around him. Courtney Wallace chimes in. Is that Khan from last week? Yeah, says Pereira. Courtney Walsh. Well, that made a difference because everybody was buzzing last week and that's what he was accustomed to. Pereira, the way he was feeling. Tom Evans, who was one of the administrators from ICC Americas. Mate, he tries his ass off. Pereira, he was gunning it in. Mike Young says, how could you not want him on your club? Derek Pereira, when the game was over, he was gunning it in. Game over, meaning nobody was trying. The attitude wasn't there. Nobody was into it. The game was over. But you kept in coming and gunning it in. Mike Young, and he can bowl. Now, you know, he tries, but he's got some skill. So hearing that, hearing and reading the dialogue on reflection, when you weren't aware of what was going on in this lecture, hearing these coaches, hearing people with the reputation of Courtney Walsh and Mike Young, recognizing these things about you and talking about you in this way when you were nobody, essentially, again, not had played international cricket. Nobody knew you were completely unknown in terms of international cricket. Hearing those things again, reading those things, after you got a chance to see the book, what goes through your mind when you hear those things? And what is your reaction upon hearing the way that they were evaluating you? You know, even when I read it, it gave me goosebumps. And now even when you read it, you know, it gave, gave me goosebumps. So it's really, uh, you know, really emotional, actually. Um, it's good emotions. It's just like refreshing your memory, you know. It feels like yesterday, but yeah, I mean, all those people who were there, Mike Young, Courtney Walsh, Tom Evans, coach Derek Pereira for our team too, I remember him. It's just, you know, it's just be so emotional to hear all that again, you know, it's just like, 
I still haven't forgotten it and uh, I haven't changed since then. I'm still the same person. And every time wherever I, I go play, I still try to, you know, give my 100%. And uh, I have now a few injuries in the past, which has now made me think if I maybe shouldn't put out all my, all out all the time. Because when I try to go all out every single game, as I'm growing older, and especially for a fast bowler and the workload I have, it's probably not, you know, ideal situation because I've also seen in all these leagues that senior players, sometimes they don't even try to give 100% at all. And they just try to get through their overs and just, you know, relax, try to take care of themselves. It's, it's, it's good in a way that they take care of themselves so they can prolong their career. But I think I will learn that over time. Or is it, is it me just, it just comes naturally. Like if I'm on the field, I don't care what game it is. I don't care if the game is over or not. I can't hold myself. So um, I think that maybe that's the reason I've injured myself more than probably other <laughs> cricketer in the recent times. But I'm healthy now. It's it's been a good good while. I've been playing some good cricket recently. So prayers are with me from my parents and God. God is there. I pray pray God to keep me healthy as well. So I just pray and hope that I stay fit and just try to be myself. You know more than anybody, more than anybody else or anyone else. So don't try to be anyone. Just be myself. And what is natural to me, it will come out automatically. And if it meant to be, it meant to be. If it's not there for you, it's not there. So everything happens for a reason. I strongly believe in that. And I just rest, put, I give my 100% and just put it rest up to the God and see what happens. There's no doubt about it. You do get that 100% every time you step on the field. And you talked about basically maxing out your abilities, whereas some other players you see it on the T20 circuit or elsewhere, they don't max out their abilities. They can coast or they do coast. And I find it interesting to hear you say that because it comes up in the book and I've seen it and observed it with you and I've observed it also with Hayden Walsh Jr. And I interviewed him for an episode of the podcast and brought this up with him. And I think it's quite illuminating to see how you have progressed and to see how he has progressed in a similar manner. And I said this to him, not to be disrespectful to you or to him, but at the combine, you were not the fastest bowler there. There were other bowlers who bowled quicker than you. Yeah, I, I know that. <laughs> they probably still are. They probably still are quicker than me. I remember them. So you know it, you know full well. So technically speaking, there were players who were better skilled than you were. For sure, for sure, yeah. But one of the things I admire so much about you and Hayden Walsh Jr. in particular is that I've seen it, and you said you see it, you know it full well. There are better players skill-wise who have come through and don't go very far because it's apparent their attitude and their work ethic just isn't there. And that is such a huge part of this. And it's one of the things that I found so fascinating about going through the process and writing the book and being able to sit inside the selection room and hear these meetings, hearing somebody like Courtney Walsh or Mike Young in that sequence in the book that I read out, how much stock they put into attitude and work ethic. And there's this misconception that people, when they're evaluating players, all they're looking for is the radar gun or skills, skills batting and bowling and how many times they're they're bowling this dot ball or that dot ball and yes that it gets factored into it but the how is so important and the how big part of the how is the attitude is the work ethic so in your discussions with these coaches did you ever get a sense at the time that in spite of seeing players who might have been doing things that were more eye-catching in terms of a skill standpoint that you were able to stay competitive because you were just willing to outwork and out hustle and out everything a lot of these people just by sheer will yeah a lot because when i was there 
the attitude I have was and still have is like, this is my only opportunity. And back then nobody knew me. And if I don't show who I am or don't give my hundred percent, I might not get another chance. Cause there's so many people that literally when I got there and I saw all these people, I was like, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be tough. Like there's so many people here. How am I going to get through this? But I just, whenever I got my chance to show myself, just, I just thought one thing, like, this is your only opportunity. So I, I didn't think about tomorrow or yesterday. I just thought that this is my only opportunity to get through here. And uh, I will give my 100%, give my all out and see what happens next after that. Thanks to all the coaches who paid attention. And they, I think they did a great job in those combines and they picked a really good team as well. Now also, even in the T20 circuit, you know, when I go play all these leagues, even though like now I have played in the few leagues and people like kind of know me now, but still I feel like every game I play, it's like a trial game for me because of my background, because I'm a USA cricketer and I'm coming from an associate country. So I think I still don't get the same in terms of like the value that they think for the other players, like overseas pros compared to me, because end of the day, if I go four over 40 plus, I will be considered, oh, he's an associate cricket. It's expected. But in, if it's someone else, like from Australia, England, wherever you name it, they go four or 50, 60, that's okay. It's just a bad day. So that's what one thing I have felt a lot when I'm playing in all these circuits. So that gives me extra motivation or extra courage, I would say, that I think like, you know, this is, this is another opportunity, another trial for me. It's kind of also like putting pressure on myself, but that's the reality. Like to any cricketer watching, associate cricketer watching, and if they are playing in those leagues, they would know, they would understand better what I'm trying to say here is every time on there against all these big pros and it's like I'm in a trial. Like I have to do well to survive. If I get hit, then that's it. This will be my only opportunity. I might not get next game. I might not get job. I might not get next year again or you know other teams won't want me so there's a, there's a lot that goes through my head when i'm playing over there um, i have also spoken to a few you know senior players good the best part is that my all the teams i've been played with i've been lucky to have good teammates in terms of like senior pros uh, i'll give you example like dj bravo narayan holly chris jordan players like them just to name a few they they give me a lot of confidence so when i share these thoughts and then they say don't think about that because then you will put pressure on yourself and it will affect your game but end of the day it's the reality and you feel it i feel it every time i'm playing like that so that's why i have to be on my best and i try to give my best and i take it as my last game you know i feel like whatever the game I'm getting is, is I play as this is my last game. And maybe that's the reason I have had uh, success in recent times. I would say playing with that approach and that attitude, I think that has helped me. You mentioned not just being a, a USA player, but being an associate player, you feel that pressure. Do you feel that you are not just representing USA, but you are representing all associate cricketers when you do appear in one of these leagues? Yes. Yes. I do feel it. I do feel it, but with my name, USA is attached. So they also bring that name like a lot that I'm associated. I'm associate cricketer, but coming from a USA. So it is, it is a big deal. And, uh, you know, I feel, I feel really honored and proud to represent 
USA cricket and associate cricket balls. And uh, I think there's only few associate players who have done well in the leagues. And uh, I'm really proud that I've done I've done well uh, in these in these leagues and over the circuit around the world. And uh, just like uh, other few players around the world, so. Um, just looking forward to continue that and just keep working hard. That's the main thing. Like once you get there, it's hard, but to survive there and stay there is even harder. So I just try to pick up brains from whoever I, I meet, all the coaches, players, bowlers, especially fast bowlers, try to learn and uh, talk to them. I still stay in touch with them, whoever I meet. So very good friends with CJ, you know, he's a great guy. DJ Bravo. I speak to them a lot. Anytime I need something, you know, they're like just a message away. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been a great journey and uh, these people have helped me a lot and I uh, uh, love to play around the world and love to pick brains from every new person I meet and from learn from all the coaches. Yeah. Going back a little bit further to your previous answer and seeing better players maybe not perform, does it get you angry at all or does it get you annoyed or pissed off or whatever you want to call it when you see somebody who is better whether it could be a usa teammate or a franchise teammate or somebody on the other side of the field or somebody who you're generally competing with whether healthy competition internally in the team or on the other side of the field who you know is a better player has been blessed with more natural gifts than you who just isn't bothering to do anything to work hard and put in the work ethic and the time to maximize the talent compared to you knowing perhaps you weren't as naturally gifted and knowing that it doesn't come as easy for you and that you have to work hard to be better in any way. Does that again, motivate you just almost get angry and get fired up to want to out hustle and outwork them and outperform them to show them up to say, Hey, I will win. I will beat you. I will outperform you because I'm just going to outwork you. And no matter how gifted you are, I can show that I can be better than you. Does that kind of mindset ever go through your head? Yes. All the time. Every time I play or if I, if I see anytime anyone doing better than me, whether my teammate or the guy on the opponent side, I take it as a positive motivation towards my bowling. And I just try to, you know, compete against them. And uh, yeah, just try to raise the bar and just try to show them, you know, if you can do it, I can, I can do it better. Or maybe I'll try to do it better. You know, I'm not going to give up on anything. And anything that comes to my way, whether it's against me or with me, or I take it as a positive sign and uh, I add it to my extra motivation and just try to, you know, try to raise the bar and raise the standard from from my side as well because there's a lot of people who are, who are watching me as well so and they they want to be like me so i have to keep going keep working hard you know just have to be that workhorse you know who is, who is always running around and try to put all the 100 percent effort yeah when you first came back from winning the cpl coming back in in 2018 the tournament in north carolina at that time, you had been away. So you'd been in Canada playing GT20, and then you're in Trinidad. You're in the atmosphere there. Did you have any sense or any grasp of what kind of impact you had to people locally before you arrived in North Carolina and the reception that you got throughout that week? And what was it like? And, and how did it change your opinion of U.S. cricket culture and the influence you might have as a role model on young cricketers in the North Carolina area in particular? Yeah, it didn't. It didn't hit me until I landed in North Carolina, even from the you know airport and coming to the ground, and that's when I realized you know I've done something good here for for myself for for all these young people back home that were watching. I I never realized it's gonna be that big of a of a thing here, but when I got here in North Carolina, I met 
these kids they all came and you know took pictures sign autograph and they wanted to they wanted to learn from me and i didn't know what to say because it was new to me so i was i was very shocked and uh, very happy and surprised to see all these people coming up to me and uh, you know taking pictures and asking me about cricket bowling especially these youngsters here in north carolina you know they're very passionate about their cricket um, their parents came to me and I, they brought their kids and they, you know they wanted me to meet them so they were really happy to see me and it really it felt really good you know it felt like you know okay this is something really amazing you know like i have to keep doing this because i never had this emotions or i haven't felt this ever in my life you know um so yeah that's where it all started and uh, i was also just recently in dc playing this tournament a few days ago and uh, i met some people there and they came to me and they said you are you are you are a motivation for us and uh, whatever you're doing is it's really you know it's really impressive and uh, so that these kind of things you know uh, really really gives me extra motivation and you know makes makes me really happy that i'm doing something and people are watching hopefully i keep doing that as long as i can you're still having that impact to this day as you said it's it's something that whether going back to when you first exploded on the T20 scene in 2018 or most recently now again coming back again off the CPL and have these experiences in Washington DC I want to ask you about what it's like to maintain that during the pandemic for a lot of players worldwide especially in the full member world they were protected if they were on central contracts they were still looked after they were still getting paid you're not on a central contract you turn that down from USA cricket we'll get to that a bit later but because of that in some way you're like you said you're full time earning based on your own performances in T20 franchise cricket that's your bread and butter pandemic comes along you don't have a 12 month contract in T20 cricket it's league to league bouncing around from CPL or PSL or, or Bangladesh Premier League or whatever IPL so when the pandemic started and obviously it's not inside outside of cricket a lot of people's lives a lot of people's jobs were affected economically and health wise in all sorts of ways it impacted people but one of the things that's kind of flown under the radar a little bit in terms of the cricket ecosystem if you're on the T20 cricket carousel and this is how you're earning it, and all these T20 leagues are getting canceled or postponed you have no way to earn so when the pandemic was first unfolding all cricket was being postponed but in particular the T20 franchise leagues were being put off canceled postponed you're seeing this as a T20 cricketer and this is your way of earning what was going through your mind as this was happening it was tough I had some saving to buy a house but because of the pandemic everything was shut down and I had no other option I had no contract so I had to spend spend all that I had in my savings to get through that time and luckily I had I had some some money saved from the previous leagues I didn't spend it all I'm happy because usually I, I spend my money and my dad always you know gives gives me that that I spend my money and uh, Yeah luckily I had some you know something to survive on and uh, so I live with my family and I'm you know I try to be the only you know provider for my family and uh, I don't try to put burden on my dad because I take care of I try to take care of my family my mom my sisters so yeah I mean uh, it was really tough but one thing I I didn't do is that I didn't stop working uh, I didn't stop working out even if it's at home or in the I mean I couldn't even go to the park in the, back in the day because we didn't know what it was So I still kept still kept working hard still you know eating good even if I was home I knew that you know if something comes up I should be ready for it I shouldn't just sit you know at home and 
and just be lazy. I still, I still, in terms of my cricketing skill, yeah, I couldn't do much because there was nothing going on. But in terms of my physical fitness, I, I kept going. I didn't give up on that. But it was really tough, you know, especially uh, mentally, it was really tough because I was, uh, I was, it was coming to my mind, like, what am I going to do if I run out of this money? Like, you know, there's no other, no backup option here because I'm not contracted. I don't have a job. All I'm doing is playing these leagues, and if if the league is happening, I'll, I'll you know I'll earn something. But if there's nothing happening for for you know unforeseen future, what am I gonna do? So it, it has affected me uh, mentally in that time period. But luckily, that the league starting to happen later on later on the year, and uh, you know CPL was the first league that happened after the pandemic. And uh, thanks to you know TKR for always taking care of me and. Uh, you know, it's just like a family. So I love playing for them. And I think they've changed my life. So when CPL happened, I was really, you know, satisfied mentally that, okay, you know, there's something good. And uh, then we ended up winning. That helped us extra financially as well. So I, uh, I covered up what I, you know, lost during the pandemic. But again, it's not always just about the money. It's also about how you have to grow as a cricketer and uh, how you have to survive through these tough times. You know, it happened, this, it can happen again. And what happens if you don't get picked again, you know? So you have to think of all these things. And in terms of not being on a contract, yeah, it's, it's something that, uh, that does come to my mind a lot. But again, when I, you know, was about to give up on cricket, I, I never gave up. I gave it one shot and it got me here. And I always think back on that, that I never gave up then, so I shouldn't give up now either. So, yeah, I'll just, just keep working hard. As I said, I will do my part and rest is up to the God. If, I, if, if it's there for me, it's there for me. Today's episode of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket is also sponsored by Musa Cricket Stadium, the first and original turf wicket facility in the state of Texas, and now one of the premier venues for the minor league cricket T20 franchise tournament. Located at 5515 McKeever Road in Perryland, five miles off the Bailey Road exit from State Route 288 and a half hour south of downtown Houston, Musa Cricket Stadium includes fully enclosed locker rooms and change rooms plus shower facilities after day's play, as well as outdoor nets for all your training needs. For more information, call 713-534-2195. That's Moosa Cricket Stadium in Pearland, Texas. You go from having zero cricket during the first six months or so of the pandemic to then the CPL is happening, and that's your first outlet where you can start earning again. And all these questions about, am I going to be able to make money? How much savings do I have to rely on? CPL happens, and you say you win the title, and then to go from no cricket to not just CPL winning the title with TKR, but then to get the call up to go to KKR, I've got a night riders. The whirlwind of that month and a half, two months, what was going through your mind over that whole time frame? And then the emotions, thinking about all those things, when you finally got the word from Brendan McComb that you were going to be on your way to the UAE to be part of the KKR squad. I remember saying this to Baz on a plane. We were on a private jet to IPL. So I told him after CPL, I just said one line to him and he started laughing. I was like, so after all, 2020 wasn't as bad as people said it was. So that was because we won the CPL. And then I got a call and Brandon McCullum, Baz, he, he announced it on the team dinner that I got picked for the IPL. So yeah, it was, it was really happy. You know, it was, I think it was all the reward for all the uh, hardships that you go through, I would say, and the hard work you put in. If you do your hard work, then God is going to reward you. And if your parents' prayers are with you, you know, you're going to succeed. So just believe in those things. Believe in yourself. 
just don't forget the times that you worked hard. I still remember when I used to work 11 hour shift, come back, go to the gym for two hours, come back, sleep and just start over again next day and work six days a week, sometimes seven days a week and still, still, you know, kept going. So I still, I still think of all those things and what has gotten me here and uh, that that's still a motivation factor for me. The KKR experience, I know you didn't get to take the field and you had to leave before the end. You got injured, so you weren't able to take full part in the, the entire season that was in the UAE. But the experience you did get, starting off, humble brag, getting to fly on a private jet sent by the owner to go from Trinidad to the UAE and having that experience and some of the other perks you get as part of an IPL squad member. What was the whole experience like for you and what would you say was the best or most memorable part of that opportunity you know it's true about what people say about IPL that it is it is the you know best league in the world because you know flying from on a private jet from Trinidad to uh, you know Dubai and then going on joining one of the best teams in IPL owned by you know world superstar Shah Khan so yeah it, it was like you know it was it was just a, just a dream you know like I was if it was a dream, I didn't want to wake up from, you know. So I was really excited. I was like, here, I was on top of the world. And then when I got hurt, all of a sudden, it just like came crashing down on me. And I was, it was really hurting for me. And I cried in the meeting when Baz told everyone that he will be unfortunately leaving us from this, this tournament. So, uh, so I cried when I got picked. And then I cried <laughs> when he said that I'm leaving. So... Yeah, it was very emotional on both occasions. And uh, uh, I remember, you know, Shri Bhai, yeah, Shri Kant, he's the analyst in KKR. When I got hurt, the day I got hurt, he came to me next day. He said, I've never seen anyone bowl like you in the nets. You need to relax. Because I remember how I bowled that day because it was it was a third, third training session with KKR. We were playing someone the next day and we had a net session. And I, I went, I was bowling hard, like, I wasn't trying to impress anyone, but I was just trying to, you know, show like, okay, if, if you're batting against me, I'm going to come hard at you. Like, that was my intention, you know, because they haven't seen me. Of course, they have, they know about me, but they haven't, you know, seen me. So, anybody who was coming into the next hour, I took the ball and I wasn't stopping. I literally bowled good 45, 50 minutes and all 100% in that session. And in the end, I got hurt. I got a, I felt pain in my, you know, in, on my side and uh, I couldn't breathe. So I just, you know, sit on the ground and I went to the physio and said, I can't breathe. So he said, okay, sit on the table. So he went quiet. He didn't say anything. So he said, okay, just relax and we will, because he, I think he knew where it was. He said, we will go and do the scans tomorrow and stuff. So we did MRI and it was a rib fracture. So my cartilage bone and the real bone, there was like a gap. So when it was on the opposite side, so when I'm bowling, it's affecting my, this side, like all the pressure is coming off of this side. So I think I did damage to myself and she, that's what she said. Like, this is on you. Like nobody, nobody did this to you. This is on you. You know, don't, don't need to impress anyone. You don't need to bowl that hard. Like you had this and now you have lost it. So I hope you learn from this. That, that was his word. And I still remember him. I love him as a brother. You know, he's, he's a great person. He gives him great advice. So, yeah, I mean, that, that was also a learning from that experience. Yeah, it was, it was unfortunate, but you know, if I made it once I can make it again and uh, I'm going to do that. So I'm going to keep working on that. Never heard somebody bowl so hard in the nets that they broke a rib. This is quite extraordinary. You, you yeah. said it first. But the, the other thing I think of when I hear that 
is I'm a bit surprised to hear you say that and describe that experience because you at one point talked in an interview with me about how DJ Bravo, Dwayne Bravo, when he was your captain at TKR, the first season, you were coming off the GT20 with Winnipeg with him and you were doing the same thing. You were going pedal to the metal in the nets. Before the first match in your breakout season in the CPL, you were flat on your back injured. And there was this, session. Like, this session. gasp of, oh my God, has he injured himself before he's actually taken the field for the first game with TKR? Because Bravo told the team in one of the first meetings, like, oh, he's going to be Walker. You said Walker, Walker, they nicknamed you Baby Walker. Yeah, uh, he called me Walker Yunus. Walker Yunus. And he said he's, he's going to be leading the attack. And you get injured because you're going too hard. And you had said that he had told you from now on, 10, 15 minutes, that's it. Don't go any longer than that. We need you fresh. We don't want to get you injured. How did you go from that? And having that experience and that controlled aggression in the nets and not axing yourself out to the point of injury to then go from that to the experience you had with KKR? By the time KKR, I forgot about that. (laughs) I should have still... (laughs) I should have remembered, you know, DJ's words. So, yeah, that that uh, was my first year at TKR in 2018. And after GT20 went straight there, was my first training session under lights. So, the ground was kind of slippery. You know, you had to be extra careful on those grounds. And it was my first time there. So, I was just, I was literally into three or four balls. And I slipped in my, in my follow-through. And I literally just flipped over and fell on my back. Like, like you people could hear in the pavilion, there was no crowd. People could hear in the stands that the coaches and the, and the trainer, they heard it. And everyone was like stopped. Like, what did just happen? Everyone just came to me and then DJ came to me. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not okay. So then I went off with the physio. And then the next meeting, the DJ said, before the training session, you are here for a reason. You are selected because you're good enough. You don't have to impress anyone. And those were his words, like, to, there was kind of message to everyone that don't hurt yourself in practices. So after that, yeah, I got through that. Uh, I was, I got ready just in time for the first game. I didn't practice at all after that for a whole week. And I was literally just jumping straight into the game. That, that was also a very tough time. It was my first year there and uh, I got hurt and it was really, you know, I was really down. But again, his leadership qualities, you know, it's, it's so, it's so different. It's, it's the best in the world that I've seen, you know, wherever I've been, he just gives me so much confidence and just talking to him, you know, in general, it just gives me just so much confidence and it just relaxes me mentally. So I was able to get through that and just did well for them in that year. And uh, after, during that tournament, every session, if I, if he see me bowling more than five, 10 minutes, he, he just comes straight to me, like, Waka, give me the ball, go out. So he was, he was really throw me out of the practice, like, just go. So, yeah, I mean, those are the kind of leaders that, you know, that really gives you that confidence and motivation that, you know, these people believe in me. He brought me here in this setup. And in front of the whole team in, in my first year, he's saying that you are the leader of a bowling attack, you know. So these kind of words meant a lot. And I think that was the reason for my success over there. For people who don't know, you have a picture with you with, DJ Bravo as as one of your profile pics and, and some of your social media stuff. He's obviously been a huge influence in your life and in your career. You just run through a lot of the things that he's done to influence you and be a mentor and just be a friend to you. What would you say is the number one thing that he has done to influence you personally or as a cricketer? The first thing that he has done for me is 
giving me that opportunity you know he saw me in that us open playing with me in us all stars uh standing in the slips his brother darren bravo told me later on down the years that he was standing in the slips with me and he he told him that i'm taking him to tkr and he said are you joking to i replied reply to that and he said yeah i'm taking him because he he has out singer he is he comes and reversing in the end like he said i haven't seen that yeah he gave me he changed my life from that opportunity that he gave me and uh, i've learned a lot from him and uh, you know he called me his son i have so much you know respect for him <laughs> so even when i when i text him he he says son so he's like a, you know big brother to me and yeah it's really, it's really good to be around you know he's genuine he's someone who is generally genuinely good at heart and help other people and i asked him one time like why you do this like like i was just a cricketer over there why why did you think that i could come here and do it he's like being a champion i call myself a champion it's not just because i'm a champion it's about helping other people and uh, if i see some someone talented then i'm going to give them an opportunity so he gave me that an opportunity and helped me you know to get get through that and uh, yeah from there on it has changed my life to say the least is <laughs> an understatement <laughs> for sure now i want to go back to to the us coming back to us squad for the first time in 2 years the last match you were in the squad for bermuda in 2019 for the same tournament the icc americas men's t20 world cup qualifier but you didn't play cuz you were injured your last match was actually in namibia at world cricket league division 2 you played in the odi against papua new guinea at the end of that tournament that was usa's first odi since the 2004 champions trophy in england you were offered a central contract turned it down you and hayden walsh junior turned down the contracts you were basically the only two players who did so and again a lot of people from the outside see that question that want to know about your commitment why would you turn in a contract and why would you pursue these opportunities on the t20 franchise circuit instead of the guarantee of a usa contract and some of this was touched on in the book you did talk about this in the book a little bit but again for people who are people who are not familiar with the situation curious why would somebody turn down a central contract what was your reason or the main reasons why you decided to turn that contract down and how would you communicate to somebody to make them understand that even though you did turn down the central contract it doesn't mean that you're not committed to playing for usa at the time that i was offered that contract it was i think timing i would say wasn't the right timing for me to sign something like that because first i never had a contract with them so i didn't know any conditions terms of conditions how it's going to affect me or beside the money what it would mean to me as a cricketer and how i'm going to you know continue to grow myself as a cricketer and you know make my name out there in the world so i think it happened it was the timing of this was just before the gt20 canada and i had a, a contract offer from them for that for that tournament and uh, there was like a training camp for usa cricket and they were saying that if i signed the contract i wouldn't be allowed to go to the gt20 canada and i would have to attend that camp so i had two options either to sign it and forget about the t20 leagues or gt20 at the time or and just go with the with the camp when i spoke to the people about the contract i just you know i just felt like i'm going to be like trapped that i wouldn't be playing freely wherever i want so that was one feeling that i had at the time 
I knew like inside that I would have been happy to go play GT20 because just by watching all these leagues and how how they play that cricket and it's on TV and everyone is watching. Like I wanted to go and perform over there in, in front of the world because now it's different, but back then nobody was watching USA cricket. If we are playing in Namibia, I'm taking five wickets or if I'm playing wherever with USA, nobody's watching. Yeah, I will be there, but people are not watching. People don't know who I am. So I wanted to show the world what I can do. And I've done this hard work. I'm going to go show them who I am. So I took that opportunity. It was a tough call. Yeah, financially, like it, was, it wasn't a stable. It wasn't stable because you're going, you're going somewhere where you have never been before. You don't know how you're going to perform. You have no other contracts. You have nothing. You have no job. So what is going to happen if you don't do well? So those things were there, but again, I just believed in myself. This is what, like, going to that league would have made me happy, and that's what I did. I believed in myself, and I took that decision. Um, of course, some people were not happy about it, but again, people have their own opinions. They don't understand what I've been through and what, what dreams I had. So... I wouldn't have made it to the IPL if I hadn't taken that step at the time. And making it to the IPL, I think, is the biggest achievement in my life so far. But I haven't got the game there, but still making it to that to that stage, I still feel very proud of myself. And I've earned that. So, yeah, uh, I just went there and uh, just tried my best. After the first game I played there, I bowled four overs two for 18 so before the game in the presentation in the in the at the toss bravo told the, the commentator i think it was mike hazeman or dean jones one of the, the comments he said uh we have ali khan in the team so watch out for him and at the end of the game i had four overs two for 18 in my first game over there i still remember that it was against montreal tigers so yeah i i did well over there and from there on uh the next day, DJ called me into his room and he said, do you have an agent? And I said, no, I don't. And then he, he introduced me to his agent and he came to in his room and we all sat down and I signed with, with Eddie. You know, that's the first time I met him there and he was interested in signing me just because he saw me watching on TV and then he was asking DJ about me. What I'm trying to say is they're like, he wouldn't have signed me if I was playing for USC somewhere. But I was playing on TV and he saw me there and he saw potential in me. And then he signed me and I think he has helped me a lot since then to get me through around the world. So eventually, you know, playing in all these leagues, whether it's me or some other player from USA or any other country they go play, it's always beneficial for your country because you come back with those with those mindsets and training and all the things you have learned and giving back to your your teammates or your you know, your fellow team, your country and I always think it as a positive way, but I took a decision. I still still back behind it, even if I if I have another opportunity again. And if I'm in that situation, I probably would do the same. And I have no regrets and I'm very happy with my decision. There's two parts of this to analyze. One, you talked about the competitive thing. I've heard this a lot from associate players who go in these leagues. Again, it's not snubbing the national team. It's in a lot of ways they're looking to gain experience, to gain the competitive edge that rightly or wrongly, you can paint it however you want. It just in some ways, isn't there at a associate level. You're only going to get exposed to this by playing against guys from Test Nations, full member nations in these franchise leagues. It's a different echelon of player you're competing against and testing yourself against. 
but the financial aspect there's also that part of it too and for context in year two so you you talked a little bit about year one in the gt20 and what was going on not having the agent at the time but in year two so when the usa central contracts were offered this was 2019 so you play the gt20 2018 you have the breakout cpl in 2018 but in 2019 you switched teams to go from the, the uh, winnipeg hawks to the vancouver franchise and this is publicly available information. You were traded and you were listed as having signed a $25,000 contract for the Vancouver franchise, Vancouver Knights. So the USA Central contracts were communicated in a press release to ranging between $60,000 and $90,000. That's for 12 months. You were offered four weeks, $25,000 for four weeks. So you convert that over the course of a year, franchise league to franchise league. It can be very, very lucrative, a lot more lucrative than being on a fixed 12-month contract, which as you said, Part of the stipulation of the contract was you were not going to be allowed to go to the GT20. You were being told to go to this USA training camp instead. And so it's not just the competitive edge and the competitive aspects of trying to expose yourself to a higher class of competition. There's a very, very significant, very serious, life-changing financial aspect to this. And again, I don't think a lot of people understand. So how much of the decision-making factor to turn down that central contract would you put, if you had to put a percentage on it, how much of it was based on the competitive opportunities and testing yourself and improving yourself and the exposure to get on TV in these other leagues versus the financial aspect where, yeah, in a 12 month period, you might have that wider stability and security, but incrementally in the T20 leagues, you could have a much, much, much greater financial gain and much more lucrative opportunities based on your performance. That's right. What you said, but at the time I wasn't thinking too far ahead, like what am I going to get? But at the time, like it was my first contract and for $25,000, you know, my first contract. Okay. I was, I was like, it was good. Not sorry. The second year at Vancouver Knights, that was 25. So for for year one, I believe you were offered 10,000 for the first year I was 10,000. So So to go from 10,000 again, 10,000 to 25,000 one year. Yeah. You keep going in that trajectory. People can see where that's going. You can see where that's going. Right. So that's, that's where you have to, you know, see you're really more secure as a provider for your family and uh, how you have to survive in this country and not to have a nine to five job on the side and have to worry about taking your days off from work. Because when I used to work and had to go play two days on the weekend, it was really hard for me to get even, even the Saturday off, you know, it was really tough. And then when you go play, take time off work, I wouldn't get paid vacation. It was, it was cutting my salary from the work so you have to think of all these things that the time you have sacrificed um, and I started playing professionally really late I was 26 years of age already and uh, you know you have to make the most out of as, as a bowler you don't have a long life because you never know what injury can come to you and that's all for you so you have to make the most out of what you can get and uh, yeah it, it was it was it was just you know opportunity that I will and uh, it was it was a decision to make that I made at the time and Yes, there's good money, but again, it's not it's not guaranteed versus a secure contract, you know, from your country. It really depends on the individual, how they look at it. But uh, yes, money was there, but also in terms of me, you know, playing on TV and showing my skills and talent, you know, playing alongside other players to the rest of the world, showing them, you know, everyone watching it. So that was also an extra, you know, factor in that. But but yes, financially, it has helped me and... Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been good, and I still stand with my decision. How would you make somebody understand, or how would you communicate to somebody that what you're arguing, that 
it will benefit U.S. cricket in the long term if you're performing these leagues and you're opening up the door to more USA teammates, potentially getting opportunities in these leagues if you perform well and also bringing the competitive edge that you get from playing these leagues and the exposure and bring that back. Balancing that with USA missing you from the lineup and having results like they had in, say, the tour of Nepal in February 2020 where they went winless and they got hammered and they lose one game, 35 all out. So you're trying to tell people at one point, which I agree with, you are benefiting U.S. cricket in the long term by doing these things as representing USA in a personal capacity. But at the same time, some other people might look at it and say, well, actually, it's not helping U.S. cricket because he's out of the lineup and USA is losing games. It's just it's a tough question. You know, it's a, it's a tough question. You're putting me on spot. But it's just like, first, you have to go out and learn. Like, you're not going to become a better player if you're playing someone as just as good as you or below you. You're just not going to become a better player. You're not going to get here. The only time you're going to go here if you play someone here. So if you go and do well against someone over here, when, when you come back here, of course, that will help you a lot. Not just your team, but also your teammates. You know, that, that's what I'm trying to tell, tell here, that playing against those big giants, it's not easy when you're bowling in a power play to Chris Gale or, you know, Chadwick Walton, Andre Fletcher. All of a sudden, you're against all these big guns and you don't know what to do. But once you do well, that gives you a lot of confidence. Your whole mindset has changed. Your body language has changed. The way you carry yourself has changed. So when you come back to this level against associate against associate, it will definitely help you a lot. Uh, it will help your teammates. Um, it will open the doors for a lot of people. Also, not just as cricketers, but also how they think about their future and what they want to do in future because I shouldn't be the only one playing outside cricket. There's a lot of other talent in this country and in my teammates are as good as me or even more talented than me. And I think if an opportunity is there, I would still tell them to take it. You're back in the squad for this tournament. Again, unfinished business with Bermuda and Canada trying to right the wrongs of 2019. And you being there is a big plus. Some people may be wondering, is this just one off or is this more of a long-term commitment? So what can people expect of you in terms of your availability going forward? Is it still going to be contingent upon whether or not there's a clash with a T20 league? Because Again, realistically, from a pragmatic standpoint, you have to earn, and that's the best earning opportunity. Or can fans and teammates expect to see more of you on a regular basis going forward? Let's see how this goes. <laughs> so all my focus is right now on this tournament, and then uh, we worry about all those things later on. But my, my goal and aim is to always be available for the T20 World Cup and take USA to the T20 World Cup. And if I have to sacrifice a couple of my contracts in order to do that, I'm willing to do that. Uh, if in between anything comes up again in terms of contracts with USA Cricket, or we can, we are always open to that. And uh, yeah, I would always love to play for USA Cricket because yes, you are, you are a professional cricketer. You also have to earn on the side for your family and for yourself. So people who live with their parents, they don't have bills. But when you live on your own and you support your parents and your family, you have bills and rents to pay. So I hope they understand that when they put those comments out, that they're not sitting in their parents' basement and writing those comments. Well said. Very well said, Ali Khan. <laughs> Even though 
some of your greatest performances for you say have come in 50 over cricket in a world cricket league division two you kind of hinted at it do you see your, yourself more as a t20 specialist now going forward just because of the physical toll that 50 over cricket takes on a body especially a fast bowler's body or do you see yourself as being potentially available to represent usa in odis depending on the clashes and availability going forward yeah, depending on the situation, we see how it goes. But um, I haven't played 50-over cricket in a, in a while. That was my last 50-over game in Namibia against PNG. Uh, I haven't played 50-over games since then. Yes, I have played my uh, local team 45-over games in uh, Houston, but, but it's not the same the, uh, You know, when playing for your country in 50-over game in ODI. That's a whole different story. Um, so right now, I've been just playing T20 cricket over the past few years. And uh, so my body is used to like T20 cricket at the moment, but it's it's not that hard going adjusting from T20 to 50. It just needs some some time, like a month or so. And uh, just with the good training and the coaches and stuff in the gym, um, just get my body in the right alignment and shape. And uh, just with some longer spells, you know, um, if you have if you have the skills and the mindset, I think physically it's, it will be easier for you to adjust. And playing in all these leagues, what I have learned is that doesn't matter where you play. You just adjust. If you if you're a professional cricketer, you should adjust to the conditions as soon as possible, and it shouldn't be that hard for you to adjust. So um, I think it shouldn't be a problem in terms of uh, going from T20 to 50. It's just in terms of uh, the mindset and the, and just getting back in the same groove of 50 over cricket. But yes, I will I, I I will try to be coming back in USA colors more often now, hopefully. That's music to the ears of a whole lot of USA players, teammates, and fans around the country who will be hearing that. So that's a positive sign going forward for the future. All right. Favorite 11 time with Ali Khan. I want to remind everybody that the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast is presented by Dream Cricket. The Dream Cricket Pavilion Shop can help you fill up all your cricket kit requirements from top of the line to English Willow Bats made by all the top manufacturers, as well as helmets, gloves, pads, jerseys, highlight DVDs, books, and more. Get 10% off all orders over $400 using coupon code DCUSA. That's DCUSA. Go to shop.dreamcricket.com to take advantage of that offer today. Dream Cricket Academy is located at 400 Apgar Drive in Somerset, New Jersey, just a mile off of exit 12 on Interstate 287. For more information, call 908-938-3787 or email cricket at dreamcricket.com. Favorite 11 time with Ali Khan. You ready to rock and roll? Let's do this. Your favorite roommate on any cricket tour? Aaron Jones. The one and only. Just because he's sitting right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, a couple of them. Aaron Jones and uh, Hamza Tariq in uh, TKR. If, if you had to go one or the other, favorite, not favorites, not plural. Can't pick one, tough one. He's sitting right there. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I love them both. USA's best bowler and, and USA's best batsman, best batter, all in the same room. The the dynamic duo on tour back together again. You know, we have to keep the same ritual that we kept in Namibia. We were both roommates and we got through ODS status. We were just talking about it yesterday. And uh, this time we have to go to the World Cup. So he, took, he scored 100. That gave me motivation to go and take five wickets in the same game. So we still remember that. This is the secret sauce, how it's made. Now everybody knows. <laughs> AJ and AK. Your favorite. Now, this is this is an Ali Khan special. I, I tailor this question just for you. It's one of the very rare 
associate cricketers on the T20 franchise circuit. And as somebody myself who is a frequent flyer going around the world to cover teams on tour, I've had an opportunity, especially during the pandemic, they've been giving away free business class upgrades left, right, and center because nobody's flying on these planes. All these planes are like three quarters empty. So as somebody who's been around the world on these franchise T20 opportunities, I have to ask you, what is your favorite business class service that you've ever had flying around the world on all the various commercial airlines? And your private jet experience with... KKR is not included. It's not, uh, not allowed. You got to go with a commercial airliner. I was going to say nothing beats that, but uh, from commercial, always my favorite is Emirates. It's, it's so it's just the best. It flies directly from Houston to Dubai. My sister lives in Dubai. She picks me up. The service is amazing. You know, it's, I just love their uh, business class. Yeah. That was the best one. So Houston to Dubai directs Emirates. That's the Ali Khan go-to service. It's, it's, it's about 16-hour flight, but I don't mind it. I enjoy that flight going back and coming back. I just love it. So this is question 2A, follow-up to that. 16-hour flight, what is your favorite way to pass the time in a 16-hour flight in business class? Try to enjoy and not sleep all the time. Uh, watch movies. And the best part is the food. Their food is amazing. The service is amazing. The drinks and the the dry nuts that they gave it's just unbelievable the, the the service is really good the food is amazing this the movies the entertainment system is really good so yeah i enjoy that i try not to sleep but at some point you have to sleep so i just recline and just sleep it's a hard one to choose because again if you're an economy not not to be too snobbish about this i've been lucky enough to get a few business class upgrades during the pandemic but if you're an economy it's a miserable experience. You want to sleep, but it's not very comfortable sleeping because those seats are terrible. You're in business class. You get all these very wonderful perks. You get the live flat seat, but you want to be awake to experience these perks. Yet the, the live flat seat is the most enjoyable sleeping experience you can have on a plane. It's just like you want to enjoy, you know, like you're not going to get many business class fights. So you got to enjoy what you can while it lasts. All right. Your favorite city or country that you have toured for cricket? Dubai, hands down, still is, and after that is Trinidad, just because I'm like a celebrity there, and people love me, <laughs> I have a lot of fans there, so yeah, these two places are my favorite. This is a true story, because when I went to Trinidad in 2019 for the Super 50, you were well known, when I, taxi driver I had would take me to the Brian Lara Academy from downtown Port of Spain, and I mentioned I was covering the U.S. team, oh, U.S. team, Ali Khan. That's who we knew. He didn't know anybody else. He knew Ali Khan. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of people say if I run an election, I could become a prime minister there. So maybe in future, never know. What are you waiting for? <laughs> what, are you, what are you waiting for? <laughs> I need a passport first. Your favorite cricket ground experience you've had as a player. And when I say that, I mean the quality of the pitches, the quality of the training facilities, the lunches, the teas, the fan atmosphere, the overall scenery of the ground. What's your number one cricket ground anywhere in the world that you've been able to experience? I have to go with Queen's Park Oval in terms of the on-field experience, but as an other like location and the scenic wise, I really enjoy playing in Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi's Sheikh Zayed Stadium. And I had a good success over there. It's just the, the ground, the, the way it's built, it's just very lux luxurious ground. It just gives you that feeling of, you know, like a, like a big, big facility and environment the food there is amazing 
Um, the way food is amazing, but on-field experience and the crowd and the stands, the music, the support and the craziness and the girls screaming your name. It's, it's in Trinidad, Queens Park over. You mentioned the girls screaming. Should I add an extra question here? What's, what's the favorite marriage proposal you've received while in Trinidad? Oh yeah, there's a few. Um, the lady in the stand, I had, a, I had a poster. I still have that picture. You can maybe put it on here. It says, Ali Khan, will you marry me on, on live camera? So yeah, that went viral. So I already posted it on my social media as well. Your favorite cricketer of all time? Shoaib Akhtar. A fellow speed uh, demon. Growing up, when I was a kid, he was like, back in the days I was a little kid and he was at his prime, man. Just watching him, after I watched him, I would go on the rooftop in my home in Pakistan and just try to, you know, copy him and bowl. So when I was growing up, I just wanted to like bowl fast and run in hard. I just couldn't have hair like his, but he's just amazing. What a personality. No one liked him before or after since then. He's just, he's just gone. Your favorite non-cricket athlete of all time? Cristiano Ronaldo. Threw me a curveball with CR7. I was expecting you to say LeBron James. What what happened? Yeah, yeah but I started watching basketball uh, after soccer. So Cristiano Ronaldo is the first one. Then I would say LeBron James. Just because he is from Ohio and I was living in Ohio at the time as well. So my number 23 that I picked was because of LeBron James. So, yeah, I mean, these two both are the great, great of the games and you know the both they're like they're so old lebron is 19th year and Ronaldo is already like 35 years of age and he's still you know still fit and still going and spending so much time and money on their bodies just to stay stay fit and play it's just an inspiration now this is another ali khan taylor question for people who don't know and this is not a narcissistic thing ali khan keeps video clips in his phone of wickets he's taken to use as motivation to pump himself up. What is your favorite wicket that you watch on replay on your phone to get yourself fired up? It used to be the first wicket of the great legend, Sangakara. But then over the years, uh, I've changed it to the the 2018 CPL final, the first ball of the final, the in-swinging ball to the Cameron Delport. And why I see that? Because the way it was planned, it, was, it didn't just happen. We actually planned it. And we planned it with Sri, Coach, DJ Bravo, the captain at the time. This is like something people don't know. They just watch what happens on the field. They don't know what happens behind the scenes. So we actually planned it for him. We had a leg uh, leg slip. So we had a deep square leg. And he would think that we we're going to bowl him short. But my plan was to, because I get the naturally swing, so our plan was to make him think I'm going to bowl him on his ribs, but it will be actually length ball coming into him. So when I bowled that ball, he was waiting for that short ball and his feet didn't even move. So he just went and it just, that was like the best ball that I bowled on the plan and it was perfect. Your favorite pizza topping? It's not pineapple. <laughs> if it's halal, I would put chicken because I only eat halal, halal chicken. But if it's not, then I just keep it cheese. A proud member of the Kevin McAllister Cheese Pizza Club. I'm beyond thrilled to hear this. <laughs> Your favorite movie of all time? There's quite a few. I, I love movies. I love watching movies. Um, when I'm traveling, I'm always on my laptop watching all these movies. But if I have to pick one, it has to be Scarface, Al Pacino. Why Scarface? It's just the way he, he acted in that movie is just, it's just so good to watch. 
and then the story and just it's really good. I enjoy watching Scarface. I watched it over and over. Who is the closest figure to Tony Montana in the U.S. cricket? Xavier Marshall. <laughs> X X. All right. Your all right. Last but not least, your favorite show to binge watch, whether it's on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime any streaming service or box set, or if it's on your laptop, you've got a bunch of episodes downloaded. What's your go-to binge watching show on a plane or once you get to a place in your quarantine and you've got a lot of time on your hands? I try to watch all the shows that are, that are coming out, but if I have to pick one, my all-time favorite is Breaking Bad and Prison Break. These two are my all-time favorites. Who is the closest figure in U.S. cricket to Heisenberg? Walter White, who is it? Right now, if it has to be... I would pick Just Karan because <laughs> he spends a lot of time analyzing things. I hope he don't watch this. <laughs> Does he have a chemistry set? I don't know what he has, but he has always something cooking, especially after he had six sixes. You can say that again. That's for sure. He's definitely got something cooking, and hopefully he's got something cooking for USA coming up in the T20 America's qualifier. Like a whole lot of other players in the team, including yourself, Ali Khan. Thank you so much for coming on the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast. I'll give you the final word. Anything you want to say they haven't already said about cricket, your journey in cricket, that you want people to know that they don't already know about you. Just one message to all the people, you know, is just not always what you see. It's always you have to, you, if you don't know someone personally or through someone, don't, don't have a bad image of them in your head. Just try to get to know them or message them directly and just try to get to know them and just always be happy for someone else instead of bringing them down it's your own countrymen so if i'm doing something it's making my country proud as well so that's the only thing i have to say be positive ali khan that's the message thank you so much ali khan for coming on the show good luck to you and the rest of the team in antigua coming up the icc america's men's t20 world cup qualifier usa is competing with seven teams in the america's region from november 7th to 14th and the top two teams go on to the Global World Cup T20 qualifier that will be played early next year. Ali Khan, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me and thanks for the uh, thanks for the good wishes. And also, one more thing I want to say to all the people who have supported me throughout these years. Uh, I know who they are and they're very loyal. And uh, yeah, I haven't forgotten you guys. And so thank you for always supporting and keep supporting me and our USA team. And hopefully we make it to the World Cup. My thanks again to Ali Khan for coming on the show. I have his and the rest of the USA teams start on November 7th at the ICC America's Men's T20 World Cup Qualifier in Antigua. And those matches can be watched online at icc.tv. And I'm sure all eyes will be on Ali and the rest of his teammates as they look to bounce back from the disappointment of two years ago. Again, I want to remind everybody, subscribe to the podcast on Patreon. You can be an eagle, a patriot, a captain. There's so many levels you can help support the podcast starting at just $3 a month. Go to patreon.com to do so. And also, again, you can subscribe to get the latest editions of the podcast as soon as they land by going to subscribe on YouTube to get the video format of the show or if you prefer audio download while you work or while you 
you are at your leisure, you can subscribe at Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Graham, and numerous other podcasting platforms. That's it for this edition of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast. I'm Peter Dalpenner, reminding everybody, God bless America, and God bless American cricket.